Hi, everyone out there in the World Wide Web of podcasts. We're back. Sophia and Julie on the Housing Hub podcast. And today we have a very exciting guest. Drum roll, please. We have Emily Parton. Woohoo! <laughs> Emily Parton is the program coordinator for Catholic Charities. She's located in the LPC and she was the co-chair of the steering committee for the LPC. And now we know the LPC and now Catholic Charities and Emily Parton is a partner of the Housing Hub. And wow, does she bring some insight today. I think today's uh, episode is going to be so insightful for people to get a big snapshot of what happens here on a daily basis and what we see when uh, folks are really struggling with their housing situation. Hey, Sophia, do you know about Emily's family connection to Mountaintop? I don't. Would you remind us? I sure would love to. I've heard this story shared from George Bass, the founder of Mountaintop, about his experience when he was starting Mountaintop and they were laying the groundwork for doing connections in the community. And so he was working with a case manager and who introduced uh, George to the Basically, the mayor of Grundy County at the time, they were called county judges. Well, guess whose father was the county judge? That's right. Emily Parton's father. And George Bass would always tell the story of um, he went in to meet Mr. Parton and was sitting in his office and uh, explained what Mountaintop was, what what the the design was, what the the mission was of the organization, what they wanted to do. And Mr. Parton seemed a little skeptical, didn't know about what, what, how that would all work out, but that he was a big supporter of Mountaintop in the very beginning and helping us get really connected into the community. And I love that story because it just highlights that, you know, Mountaintop has been a backbone of this community for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, just, just being able to lean into that reputation and responsibility is really important for us as a mission. Well, and how special is it that we're still working with Emily Parton? I would say you especially work with Emily Parton on a daily basis. Um, And now to have her on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to have her as a go-to resource. It is. We are excited to have with us today Emily Parton, who is program coordinator for the Catholic Charities Family Resource Center at the old Grundy County High School, which is also called the Latell Parton Center, which is also called the South Cumberland Learning and Development Center. We should spend a, could spend a whole episode on how, how this building came to be and what the dream is for the building. We're just delighted to have you with us, Emily, uh, to talk about housing, talk about what you experience and your work related to housing, and then the big partnerships that are form- formulating in the Latell Parton Center itself. So welcome. Thank why you. don't you you're why don't you get us started by telling us just a little bit about Catholic Charities and your mission there at LPC? Well, Grundy County uh, is pleased to have a partnership with the Catholic Charities Diocese of Nashville, and this is a new opportunity for them to reach out beyond Davidson County, which is primarily where they have been working the past sixty years. And the new bishop uh, that came on board questioned that, you know, why are we just working right here amongst ourselves? We need to branch out. And so they 
did and opened five offices with the intent of opening more through a grant with the Department of Human Services. Um, and Grundy County was fortunate enough to be one of the counties that they moved into. I was already working for the Grundy County School System as a Family Resource Center Director and had uh, been trying, as Julie said, to get this building to be a one-stop shop um, full of resources. So when Catholic Charities posted a position, I said, hey, that's what we're doing already. I'll jump on board with you and be able to bring a few more, a little bit more resources than I had in my previous position. So I'm very pleased to work with the Catholic Charities and they, you don't have to be a Catholic to receive kind of help from them. Um, and we actually don't even have a Catholic church in Grundy County. So that is a bit of an oddity, but we're pleased to be here. Yeah, I know that there's no Catholic church uh, in Grundy County because every so often Mountaintop has a group um, that's connected with a uh, Catholic church or that faith and are looking for a place to worship. And so um, we have to, to send, send them, uh, I, I'm not sure off the mountain, but definitely further out than we usually do with, mm -hmm. uh, with other sorts of faith traditions. So mm -hmm. in your work there at the Littell Parton Center, can you give us just a flavor of what you experience as it relates to housing? Since this is a podcast surrounding sure. housing. And I know that you have a little bit of a different um, experience or view of what's going on around us um, mm. with housing. Well, interestingly, um, I'll give you a snapshot of yesterday afternoon. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, the Catholic Charities position that I'm in through the grant with the Department of Human Services does not allow for us to pay for hotel rooms. Um, but if someone were already in a rental space or even a house with a mortgage and they have a family, children under 18, then I have some funding to help with that mortgage or rent or the electric bill or so forth. But the parameters of this funding does not allow for hotel rooms. So, um, so we struggle because right now in Grundy, as y'all know, there's just so little housing. And the hotel or one of the hotels in Monegle has transitioned a segment of their facility there to be more long term, but it is quite expensive. Um, so if kids stay there for a month um, and it would be about $1,200. So yesterday I have a family that I'm working with that is staying there month to month. And the father is working at a local manufacturing center, um, getting every bit of overtime he can possibly get just to pay the 1200 and is miserable, but they've, you know, they've managed for about four months. He would love to be in a house, you know, and, the housing costs now, or at least the rental costs now for a family of say four needing three bedrooms, the rent plus utilities might indeed end up being $1,200 a month. Okay. So that might be apples to apples, but you would have three bedrooms, a little bit more privacy, uh, a stove mm -hmm. and, and you would be, 
you would feel from a mental health standpoint a little better, I would think. So he's he's beginning to get some um, he's beginning to get to get depressed. Mm-hmm. And, and so is the, the wife and children. So two doors down from him is another little family that we've just raised some funds to put in total different situation in some regards. Uh, three month old and mom and dad who both worked off the mountain, had good jobs, and the car tore up beyond repair. And that glitch set a cascade into motion to where they, she had a baby, so that's how come she's not working, but he lost his job and they lost their housing. And so now they're in that hotel Mm-hmm. without any income. So we're scrambling to try to pay that $1,200 from a variety of sources and the baby's sick mm-hmm. and you know, we've got them on waiting list. So there they are. Third situation <clears throat> went after I left those two people, I went to the lady who is 62 years old has social security disability and uh, supplemental income and a little bit of food stamps. So she draws all together about $900 in cash benefits and a couple of hundred dollars in food stamps and is disabled. A perfect situation for being in the housing authority designed for disabled elderly people on a fixed income, Mm -hmm. but there are no openings. Mm -hmm. So she is living in her car backed up into the woods of her brother's property, no housing, no houses around, no running water, no heat. She is very resourceful. She's got a campfire and she's actually cooking on it. She, her car that she's sleeping in was running up until about two weeks ago, and now it's down. So she has no phone, no transportation. Just three very different scenarios, but they're trapped in this issue of um, scarcity. Mm. Scarcity of housing, scarcity of resources, scarcity of transportation, uh, scarcity of family support systems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a very taxing situation here in a very rural, sparsely populated, you know, you, you you have to, if you don't have transportation, it's going to be hard to walk from, mm-hmm. you know, four miles to the Dollar General store. Mm-hmm. So that's a snippet of what yesterday was that like. <laughs> so very, very real pictures. This is yeah. real life. This is what's happening around us. Uh, Emily, I know you and I talk at least weekly about housing situations and what we would dream about doing and something we something we mention often is this idea of housing first and thinking about those three situations you just talked about. What would 
What do you think would be unlocked for those folks if they were first put into a better housing situation, more adequate housing situation? And it might just be about availability, not affordability, but availability. What would that, what do you think that would unlock for them? Well, I'm a counselor by trade. So I look at things through the lens of mental health. And I know what stress does to you mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a vicious cycle. If you are constantly worried about that roof over your head or the financial aspects to keep a roof over then it's going to take a toll on you physically and emotionally, probably to the point that it will impact your ability to make a living in order to keep that roof over your head. So to go back to my first example, this man that is working as much overtime as he can possibly work just to stay in that hotel. If he gets down and he could get down from, it could look like depression, but more than likely that depression will manifest in some sort of physical ailment mm -hmm. because men don't really like to talk about being depressed. Mm -hmm. So he could, he could become physically sick mm -hmm. from all of this stress. Mm -hmm. And if he were to have to even go into the hospital for that, where, I mean, that'll just go It'll, yeah. the whole dominoes will go down. Mm -hmm. So to be in a house, to have that security, to not have to worry, opens up a tremendous amount of opportunity to expand. You know, he likes his job. Mm -hmm. He's not fussing about working overtime. He's grateful. But to think that every dollar of it is going almost to a night to night to night to night situation yeah. and it could all come crumbling down tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's hard. And uh, I've been texting all morning with all of these people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I left them last night and I'm texting with them this morning mm -hmm. because they don't have that reprieve. Mm -hmm. I think about that too of, of think, you know, if we thought about housing as an investment in, and even from a community development or economic development investment in what that would do for people, for families that then, you know, investing in housing means that I'm also investing in workforce development. Mm -hmm. I'm investing in, you know, building family structures up. That's something that I had not thought about or read about recently of just what, um, I think what you're talking about is a picture of rural homelessness, mm -hmm. unhoused folks in rural places where it's uh, living in cars, living in hotels or living in a very overcrowded situation. Mm -hmm. And, but, but what that does to family structure, whatever the structure of your family is and how that gets, you know, it changes when you move into one room, one bedroom, I guess we mm -hmm. should say even yeah. one bedroom, um, how that, how that changes mm -hmm. too. Um, and I, I know that some of our work at mountaintop that we, um, have the statistics that 
percent of the participants in our um, housing study have a hard time paying their rent or mortgage. 83 percent. Mm. Not, you know, it's like you could say 51 percent and say a majority of folks um, like this really is a majority of, of folks. And you think about how mental health is tied to that and what mm -hmm. and what impact that has. So um, so that's a that's a hard picture, um, a very real but hard picture that I think is important to talk about. And Julie, if I may, when you talk about the kids in the situation, especially the kids under age five that might be in the situation, we know from studies that how important that zero to three years are on development and later uh, achievement. And so thinking of that, thinking of housing as an investment for the community we would benefit so tremendously as a community and as a school system if we knew that those three and four-year-olds were entering into pre-k coming from a background of enrichment instead of a background of scarcity mm -hmm. you know we, there's study after study that shows that because if they are coming from this scarce situation we're going to spend two years just trying to catch them up yeah. And then they're behind. And so I don't know if you've been reading, of course, they say this every year, but the state of Tennessee, the Department of Education, the State Department, you know, is cracking down that if you can't, if these kids can't read at third grade level when they're in the third grade, they're going to be held back. You know, they're going to be held back. And, they, and that's, you know, it's true. You learn to read up to third grade and then you use that reading skill to finish out the rest of your educational and life skills. Mm -hmm. But we're constantly playing this catch up, catch up, catch up. And it starts from these very unstable, dysfunctional home lives or lack of home lives. Mm hmm in the early years. Yeah. We talk about housing, but we really are talking about home, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And everything that goes into making a place, a place, a home and how important that is in the, the whole ecosystem surrounding that. Um, so I, I know that the, the realness of what you're saying is, is very important. Um, the work that's happening in the actual building, the structure where you're located mm -hmm. at the Latell Parton Center. I know Sophia and I are interested for you just to share what kind of resources have pooled there um, and, and kind of the, the method behind the madness of that. Well, the dream was to have as many resources under one roof as possible that address the holistic nature of a person and a community. And so just in the examples I've given, we've mentioned mental health, we've mentioned jobs, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've mentioned education uh, and medical health or physical health. So would that be great if I could go today at lunch and pick up the father of the three month old and bring him here because today in this building, we're having a job fair. Mm. So guess what? I am, I am <laughs> going at lunch to pick him up and yeah. bring him here. And while he's here, he will meet with the American job center, which he's started a file with them. 
He can meet with me to help more with basic needs, diapers, things like that. Also in the building, we have a mental health center. Um, and, and then we have a tutoring center here for mainly for high school and college kids. But this father of this three-month-old is thinking about going into the Army just to try to quick start this mm. situation. You know, it, he might could mm-hmm. just go to the Army and, and settle this whole thing. But he can't pass the math on the test, the entrance exam. So he's going to be tutored by our tutor. Um, and we're about two months out from having a free medical clinic in the building. So the man that I described, um, he doesn't have medical insurance. So he couldn't go to the doctor if he did, you know, so he could come here, he could get to help with depression, he could get help with some physical ailment if he had any. Um, Mountaintop comes to the building once a month to help folks figure out housing We've got Betterfy who can help if they've gotten themselves into this crazy cycle of predatory loans or lending. Um, we're going to have the second floor open soon, and that's where we hope to have some community college classes to get people some post-high school training and on a secure footing before they start out in this family mode <laughs> Let's get things kind of safe and secure so so it's a holistic look and what a great thing like I had a tour of it a long time ago now it feels like and the potential of that building is massive um, and I think Julie and I've talked how excited we are that is in the center of Grundy County And we just want to say thank you for your work uh, with Catholic Charities and with the LPC. And our last question um, is, so you, Catholic Charities and the LPC is, are a member of the Housing Hub. And so where do you see, or where are you excited for that potential in the Housing Hub moving forward? Like, what do you see as the end goal for the Housing Hub? Well, Julie and I have talked about this, and I may not have a complete understanding of what it is, but mm-hmm. I keep making a plug that the housing hub, I'll just change that. <laughs> <position out here. laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's your gifted, the giftedness, Emily. The housing hub, I think originally was designed to put resources in one place for folks who might want to purchase a home and get the funding all in one place. And I have said, but it would also be great if it could house all the information about apartments mm-hmm. and, and be a live entity for people to say, you know, for the landlords of these places or the, the companies that have them could post on that, you know, we'll, we'll have an opening. We, our waiting list is open, you know, da, 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 because most of the people that I run into in my daily walk with Catholic charities, I would say 70 to 80% would not qualify for a loan Mm -hmm. for a house at this point in their life. Mm -hmm. And so in the meantime, is there a way that we can make it a little 
easier and accessible to learn of available rentals. Yeah. And that's, that's great insight and a great idea. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, we're so grateful for you and you're a podcast veteran. And so we've loved listening to you and um, hearing about what your work at Catholic Charities and how important it is for our community. Do you have any last, yeah, of course. Do you have any last questions for us before we podcast out? No, I think I'm okay. I got to get to work. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks for spending the morning with us. If you like what you heard, hit that plus button and subscribe to the Housing Hub podcast so you're never behind when an episode drops. Feel free to leave a rating or review to tell us how we did. If you have any ideas or would like to be on the podcast, maybe you think your organization is a good fit for the Housing Hub, email us. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, we hope that you recommend it to friends and family. And go ahead and visit our website to join our email list, find extra resources and info. Right now we're on the Mountaintop website. Follow us on social media.